by the youth tonight. So thank you to every young person who had a part in that. And for those who are looking to help one day, that is exciting to be a part of what God is doing here at your church. And so thank you for your faithfulness. And Brother Andrew, thank you for preaching God's Word. It's a wonderful opportunity to be able to handle the Word of the Lord and to encourage God's people. And as you talked about the protection of the Lord and the princess of the land and the provision for a leader, I was encouraged. And so I'm thankful for your taking the opportunity and preaching to us this evening. Does anyone need a bulletin that does not have a bulletin? I believe we have some extra in the back. If there is someone who would like that, you could just lift up your hand and that will be delivered to you. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 4, Psalm 4, as we've kind of had a little mini-series called An Awful Mini-Series. And we looked at an awful message concerning God's Word. Let me slow that down a bit. An awful message concerning God's Word. It wasn't awful per our understanding of that word today, but the two separate words. Awful. Filled with awe. And I pray that as we looked into the Word of God this morning, you were encouraged in that way. And then in the morning service, we looked at Psalm 33, dealing with standing before the Lord in awe, fearing Him, knowing Him, and responding in that way. Now what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at an awful message about God's presence. Being filled with awe in the presence of God. I realize there have been times in my life where I have gotten under the sound of God's Word and started learning more about God, that it made me say, wow, what a God. And I felt as if, in the presence of my God, that I could understand some of what those in the Bible understood. A reverential awe, the joy that is found in the presence of the Lord, like David would say, at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The wonderful opportunity to realize that all of this world and my life is more spiritual than I comprehend it sometimes. And so I pray that tonight, as we study God's Word together, that we would be put in awe in the presence of the Lord again. Notice what it says in verse 1. David makes a prayer. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. I don't know about you, but Brother Justin and Miss Rachel, we still have prayers that we are lifting up to God, that we are asking God to hear. And we'll let you know of one of them, which maybe you're able to guess already, but the one prayer that we've been praying is, Lord, would you allow us to have a second child? And this is a prayer that Brother Justin and Miss Rachel have had. This is a, hear me when I call. In this psalm, we find a man who is after God's heart, a man who has been responsible for standing in faith and taking out Goliath, a man who is the sweet psalmist of Israel, he realizes that there are times in his life 
where it seems as if he needs to say, God, would you please hear me right now? And if we'll be real this evening, we feel that these are moments in our life from time to time where, God, we desire you to answer our prayers I have shared with some of you before, and some have not heard, about my sister when we were little. We would go across the street to my grandparents' house, and we'd have snacks from time to time. They gave us caffeine-free Pepsi for a good reason, and then we'd have Colby Jack cheese with it for whatever reason as well. And we would sit there in Grandma and Grandpa Smith's house, and we would just talk with Grandma and Grandpa Smith. My little sister would run up to Grandpa's lap and jump on it. And my little sister was known to talk, 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 talk. And so here we were sitting at Grandma and Grandpa's house. And my brother and I were just eating our treat cheese and drinking our soda. My sister was sitting on Grandpa's lap and, lap and just talking away. And Grandpa's eyes started drifting from Samantha, drifting from my sister's conversation. And so my little sister, and I remember it vividly, my little sister stopped talking because she realized that Grandpa wasn't paying attention. And she looked up at Grandpa, and she put her hands on Grandpa's cheeks and squished them together, and she brought Grandpa's face, connected her eyes with his, and said, Grandpa, look at me when I'm talking to you. I remember that. She understood that Grandpa wasn't paying attention. You know, sometimes in our prayer life, it feels that way. And yet, it doesn't detour us, or it should not detour us. It intensifies the desire. It intensifies the craving, the call for God. And that's what David is doing. He is saying, hear me when I call. Verse 1. Thou hast enlarged or expanded me when I was in distress. And I want you to think about the distress. David had much trouble. David had much turmoil. David went through difficulties. Even though he was known as a mighty warrior and a great king and a man after God's own heart, he would have distresses in this life. He would have difficulties. Let me think of one of them with you for just a second. What would it be like for your own son to say, I want the kingdom and to seek your life and take it off the face of the earth just so he, your son, could be the king? That would put you in a place of great distress because your heart is torn out of great love, but yet agony because of what your son has chosen to do. And this is just one of the examples of David's distress throughout the course of his days. But yet David would say this in verse 1, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Can we rejoice tonight? That God is not bound by what we are bound in. That whatever is weighing us down and distressing us, it doesn't have God confused. In fact, God can blossom something very beautiful out of the distresses in our life. And yet David would continue in verse 1, Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. So I look back on what you have done. I realize you've enlarged or expanded me when I was in distress. But Lord, here's my present 
situation. And ultimately, this is going to lead David to be somebody who is encouraged in the awe of the Lord, that quaking and quivering in the presence of God that causes him to say, wow, what a God that would then move him to say, I want to be in righteousness. I don't want to be in sin. What a mighty God that I have. What a mighty God that I serve. On your page, notice point one. As you look at this message dealing with God's presence, you see, number one, the problem. In verse two, we read about the problem. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing Selah? You don't have to read many Psalms to realize that whether it was David or another in the Psalms like Asaph, there would be seasons of trouble in their life. But yet they would redirect their attention to God. And how encouraging is that for us today? To stand in awe of our God, even in the problems of this life. Letter A on your page. Endurance in bringing shame to God and God's man. This is the problem. The problem that we see in verse 2 is that there were these sons of men who had endurance, but not in that which was good, in that which would bring shame to God and God's man. Notice verse 2 again. O ye sons of men, how long? That is in reference to their endurance. How long will ye turn my glory into shame? Again, this is David. In referring to the glory of his situation and the glory of his life. And you recognize that everyone has their glory. But this glory should never take away from the glory of Almighty God. This was the glory that David would seek after. But yet... There were people in this life, in David's situation, that would cause David to say, How long? He would sit there and tap his foot. But yet the men would continue. The men would persevere. The men would endure. And they would endure to the extent of shameful things. Taking away glory from another man. Taking away glory, therefore, from Almighty God. Because of their decisions in sin and against the Lord. I like endurance in certain ways. Recently, we were blessed to be able to get something called a HIT trainer. This is kind of like a, a mix between a treadmill and an elliptical, but it's more like a, a stair stepper in its stride. So it's kind of like a mix between a stair stepper and an elliptical. It's just got a shorter blueprint, so it fits in our tiny house back home. Now, as you first get a machine like that, if you haven't been used to something like that, you can get worn out pretty quickly. But you know what it's like to go back again and to go back again and you begin to endure because the muscle begins to be torn 
and then to rebuild and torn and rebuild. And not only that, you begin to breathe a little bit better the longer that you are able to push through. And you're training your heart and you're training your lungs and you're training your body to endure. Endurance can be a good thing. And God's people ought to be good endurers in this life for the glory of God. But yet what we find here is endurance in the wrong direction. We find people who are enduring and bringing shame to another person and bringing shame to Almighty God. That which is shameful, that which is wrong. But then letter B, endurance in worthless pursuits. Notice what it says in verse 2. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity? This is something that is worthless. This is something that is empty. This is something that will not profit in the long run. So what you find here is the problem. You find people who are against David and against God and they're bringing shame and they're bringing this worthless pursuit and it's just weighing on the man of God. These are against me and these are against God. And how long, Lord, are you going to let this take place? Then notice letter C in the problem, endurance in seeking that which is false. In verse 2, O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? This is giving us that word leasing, the idea of falsehood, something that truly is not correct in its roots. And I want to ask you these simple questions. Which side of enduring do you find yourself in? Are you somebody that would have to be honest and say, God, I'm enduring in shameful pursuits. I'm enduring in shame against others. God, I love vanity more than I love you. I love worthless, empty things more than I love you. Are you enduring in seeking after that which is false? Other side of the coin. Are you enduring in loving others and loving God? Are you enduring in pursuits that are eternal and that will last? Are you enduring in that which is true and not that which is false? You see, David is dealing with the same problem in his day that we deal with in our day. And yet, we need to come to this presence of God again and stand in awe of Him and say, what a God. I don't want to endure in the way that those men did. Notice the second point in the scriptures, the pleasure. The pleasure. In verse 3, notice how David begins to encourage himself and those who would read or sing for generations to come. Verse 3 says, But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear... When I call unto him. Now if you remember the first verse. It sounds like David's in this scenario of. Hear me Lord. I want you to hear me. But then by the time we get to verse 3. David is reassuring himself. That he knows God will hear him. 
This is encouraging because the enemy is still present. The sons of men are still in that how long shame, how long vanity, how long leasing. They are living in that direction. And David is saying how long, but yet here's what he knows. God has pleasure in something. God has pleasure in setting someone apart. God has pleasure in those that are following after him. Letter A on your page, God's observation and omniscience. As we look at verse 3, but know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. This gives me the understanding that my God observes and my God knows. And if you were here with us this morning, one of the questions that was gone over with the children before our attention was about people praying and the God of heaven hearing the prayers of all these people in the entire world. What a powerful God. What an all-knowing God. What an observant God in my house. Sometimes I can be in the same room as my wife and daughter, but not be fully present, if you know what I mean. They can say something, and they can do something, and yet it can just go right over the top of my head, or in one ear and out the other. I know that you husbands are a lot better than I am when it comes to that, and you take in everything that your wife is saying, right? But yet, I realize something about God, that He always observes, He always understands, He knows. And as we talk about the pleasure that He has in those that He has set apart, letter B, God's perfection in separation. Notice in verse 3 again, know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. It's almost like that's my crowd. It's almost like that's the one that has been set apart. That's the one that I have pleasure in. And I am so thankful tonight to recognize, as David said, God, you are the God of my righteousness. And as we recognize in 2024, we have something so much better than even David had in his present day. Even though there was a looking forward to, as Hebrews talks about, so much better than the work of the priesthood. So much better than the angels. So much better than men is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we recognize it's in His righteousness we stand. And we can be encouraged today to understand in the perfection of God's separation, in the realization of the crowd that David was placing his hope in. This is the crowd I want to be in. This is where I want to find myself before a holy God in his presence, standing in awe of him, looking at my God who observes and knows everything. It brings me to letter C. God takes pleasure in the ones he separates for himself. And as we look at the end of verse 3, David understood and was encouraged in, The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Maybe tonight we need to be encouraged in the place of prayer again. Maybe it's been a while since we have found ourselves 
before our God, seeking Him. Maybe we could say, yes, I believe in the importance of prayer. But when did we recognize, like David recognized, I'm going to go to God in my distress. I'm going to go to God in my difficulties. I'm not going to give up on seeking God. And then to only be encouraged again, I realize I'm in that crowd. I realize that there is a pleasure that God has in looking in my direction. I realize that God will hear me when I cry unto Him I remember what it was like to sit there in college and hear of these preachers that would stand before me. And they would tell me of how God would answer their prayers. And I loved it when one preacher stood up and said, Hey, college kids, I want you to know that there's no difference between me and you. We have the same God if He is your Father. And if He is your Father, that's where everything stops. You don't have to be in position to be somebody who can cry unto God and God hears them. You just have to be one of His children when it comes down to these daily prayers and these things that you are seeking. Because I remember what it was like to have a pastor stand up and say, Yeah, my child turned 16 and I didn't have the money. But we would pray for our 16-year-old boy and God provided a car. Somebody graciously donated and gave. And he was rejoicing over God's answer to prayer. And so years ago, I was challenged in the area of prayer, seeking God and asking of God and making sure that my heart and my perspective was right. God, I'm just here because I want you to know I love you. I'm not here to say, give me, give me, give me, give me. I'm here to exercise one of the greatest relationships that can ever be understood on this earth. A relationship between holy God and unholy man because of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just want you to know I love you. And I just want to take some time to praise you. And I just want to take some time to thank you. Because I got to thinking, what would my relationship with my dad be like if all I did to my dad was say, Daddy, can I have? 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 But how different would it be if as a son to my father, I would say, Daddy, I just want you to know I love you. What do you want? No, seriously, Dad, I just want you to know I love you. How different would the relationship be if I would say, Dad, I just want to thank you. And I'm sorry that I complained so much that I had toast instead of waffles for breakfast. Dad, I, I want to thank you that you got up every single day and you went to work aside from the weekends and you worked for our family to have the clothes on our back, shoes on our feet, and food on the table. And next time I'm going to start complaining about the Wi-Fi being down, I'm going to be reminded that you let me live in this house. Thank you, Dad. The relationship's a little different when you remember that it's a relationship. It is something that you can build on and it can grow so close because there's a communication that you are desiring to have and a way that you are able to speak with Him. 
One of my exercises on the hit trainer was taking me through Thailand. And they went by one of these temples and they said, Hey, in this temple it's unique because these people are so devoted. They have this rope on a pulley system with a vase of water. And they pull on that rope and it goes up. And isn't it so beautiful, they would say. And as the water vase goes all the way up to the top platform where the beautiful God of Buddhism is when it would hit the platform the water vase would tip over and the water would pour out and it's called the water blessing and what the water blessing would do would cleanse the Buddhist from their sins and they would sit there and talk about oh how wonderful it is hey I'm so thankful that our God is the one true God that the light has been revealed and the gospel has been been fulfilled and Jesus Christ died for my sins it's not based on my righteousness in what I can do or what I can give to a little G God but it's based on everything that Jesus Christ has done for me and because of Jesus the blood that has been given the perfect sacrifice as our high priest after the order of Melchizedek and what a story and what a passage that is that teaches us about the gift and the offerings that are eternal through Jesus Christ. It just makes you say, wow, what a God. I don't have to stand afar off and use a pulley system. Because of Jesus Christ, I can come nigh to my heavenly Father. I can approach the throne room. I can seek my God and he'll hear me when I pray. One of my favorite books on prayer, and I have a few different ones, but one of my favorites is called The Kneeling Christian by the Unknown Christian. And it begins in the preface of that book by talking about a native group in Asia. This is how they would know their prayers are answered. They would only get so close because there was a line that they could not cross in getting to their God. They would take a piece of parchment or skin or paper, whatever they had, whatever generation. They would etch or write on that and then make it a mud ball prayer request. They could only get so close to their God, they would take that mud ball prayer request and from their knees, they would throw that mud ball request. Here is how they knew their prayers were answered. If they could get that mud ball request to stick to the statue. Hey, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that my God just says, ask of me. That my God just desires a relationship. Like father to son. Why don't you come? Why don't you pray? This leads me to point three on the page. The personal responsibility. I forgot to add a blank on the sheet. But the personal responsibility. Here it is. Letter A. Stand in awe. In God's presence. Letter B. Choosing peace with God. Instead of pleasure in sin. And then letter C. Take quiet time to examine your standing before God. Look with me at Psalm 4 and verse 4. 
stand in awe. The definition is in your bulletin. A strong feeling of respect or amazement brought on by something that is beautiful or sacred. If a person is filled with admiration, reverence, and respect in the presence of God, they are full of all. And maybe this is one of those times where we are reminded, I am so consumed with the world that I have not been consumed with you, God. And I want to come back and I want to purpose in my pursuit in the relationship with you. I want to focus on communication. I want to focus on standing in all. I want to focus not on the pleasure in sin, but I want to focus on the peace I can have in your presence as I stand in all of you. As it says in verse 4, stand in all and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. This is your opportunity to quiet down and examine. This is your opportunity to push aside what the world is saying or the things you've been drowning in in your walk. And you come out and you get a breath of air and you say, God, I'm sorry. I've been drowning in the wrong things. I have not stood in awe of you recently. God, I come back. God, I rest at your feet. I quietly examine. Maybe tonight it's the individual who examines whether or not they are in the faith. Or maybe tonight it's somebody who is in the faith. You are saved. You know it. You rest assured in it. But you come back to God and you say, Lord, examine me. Lord, show me the error of my way. I am not standing in all of you. And Lord, I just want to rejoice in your presence again. I want to praise you for who you are. I want to remember that even in my distress, you've expanded. You've enlarged my coast. You have so blessed in an amazing way. And God, I don't want to be guilty of forgetting you. In verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. I'm so thankful for the righteous Jesus that has been sacrificed. I realize that it's in his righteousness I stand today. Then it says in verse 5, put your trust in the Lord. Maybe this is what we need to do tonight. In verse 6, there be many that say, who will show us any good? Then notice David as he goes back to talking to the Lord. Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and wine increased. Guys, harvest time is absolutely wonderful. I know we take it for granted in many places today. What would happen in our big cities where they don't know where the food comes from? I just thought a food or food would appear on the shelves. But what would happen if we went into a strong famine again? How chaotic and how crazy would it be? We've forgotten the blessing of the harvest. But even David would say in times of great harvest where people would get excited because of what would come in and the drink that they would have that would bring to them great joy. David would say that I have gladness in my heart that is more than those who have been satisfied with the harvest of this earth. This evening... You can have a gladness in your heart more than that which others are celebrating 
because of their increase. I often think about Revelation in the Laodicean church, where they were increased with much goods, and they would say, Ye have, we have need of nothing. But yet what's happening there? Jesus is outside that door knocking, waiting to see if any man would come and let him in. God, I'm here. I'm standing in awe, not sinning. I'm recognizing that you are my God, and I put my trust in you. See what it leads to in verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and, what church? Can I remind you how peaceful it is to walk with God even in the midst of your great distresses? Even though the enemies, how long? How long? But yet David could understand God's peace in God's presence. For thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. Some of you have read that newsletter recently. I believe it was one of the last services you've had of God's provision for us in the vehicle situation. I mean, wow. As you had heard in September, $5,000 was given as a seed fund to kind of start in the possibility of needing a new vehicle. And we started thinking, well, hey, Maybe the Lord knows something that we don't. Maybe that prayer I told you about earlier, the expansion, the enlargement of our family, maybe God knows, well, He does know what's going to happen, right? But maybe God's just providing the way. Maybe that's not what He has. His will be done. But yet, I look at the gift that God has allowed us in the traveling, and we've told so many people already that we use a verse all the time in our family, and it's this, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We also use the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Hey, thank you, Lord, for the provision of the vehicle to travel this country in, to preach and to sing. But God, we want to let you know that we understand our trust is not in that. I mean, how foolish would that be, right? Y'all understand that just because you get something new or something new to you, that that doesn't mean it's going to last very long. It could break down tomorrow, right? But our trust is not in it. Our trust is in God. He brings us to peaceful sleep. He brings us to dwelling in safety. It's His watch care. It's His provision. That's why we say, Lord, I'm standing in awe of you. What an amazing God you are. I don't know where you're at on your journey with God. But you do. You know if everything's fresh and zealous. You know if you're just beginning and you're so excited. You know if you've kind of gotten over a hump of excitement. And have kind of gone downhill a little bit. You know where there might be a little bit of apathy. And where you might need to say, God, I'm sorry. You know, but the decision you need to make is the dweller's decision. I stand in all of you. I know who you are and therefore I properly fear you. And so God, I come back and I say, Lord, here am I. Thank you for your mercy for me. 
thank you for your love. I seek you with my whole heart. I want to let you know these are my needs, but I thank you, and I love you, and I seek you, and I'm absolutely amazed that you would love me so much that you would save me through Jesus Christ, the Lord. If you're here tonight and you don't know the peace of salvation, tonight you can know his peace. If you're listening online, praise the Lord for the fact that you've stayed with us this long. But you can know the peace of God that passeth all understanding through Jesus Christ. You can have eternal life. What a blessing. And you can begin to enjoy one of the greatest relationships. Rachel and I have just started something called Paired. It's an app on our phones. And every day, all it does is it gets one or the other each every other day to ask a question to the other for the purpose of knowing each other. And you got the whole streak thing. I'm on so many days of my streak of building communication in that relationship. It's just a tool. But yet when I think about that, I'm reminded that there's a God that loves me so much. He wants to spend time with me. And I need to put some effort into knowing him and desiring to be close to him. Because our relationship can be so much greater because of his design. I just want to encourage you to seek him tonight. Let's pray. Our Lord, we love you.